Welcome to Event Up, the place where people enthusiastic about events stay in the know on the latest trends within the events industry. Live, hybrid, and virtual experiences. From virtual events to conferences, award galas, and everything in between. Here's your host, Amanda Ma. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Event Up. This is the place to get the latest and greatest in event industry news, ideas, and topics. In this episode, we will be discussing the world of public relations and how you could use it to your advantage. And I'm super excited because today I was able to get Susan on our podcast. And you guys all might be wondering why I am so excited. So let me just go ahead and do an intro and then we'll dive in. But Susan Lindner, CEO and founder of Emerging Media, she's actually a cultural anthropologist, brand marketer, disruptor. Susan's the founder of Emerging Media, a branding, PR, and marketing agency dedicated to helping tech founders reach their finish lines. Her award-winning strategies have gotten 10 companies acquired, and she is now hell-bent on sharing them with the world. Susan speaks to startups, innovators, and top executives from 60 countries at GE, PwC, Capital One, and global conferences and trade organizations about strategic storytelling, mastering the message and the media for maximum impact. And recently, I had the pleasure of experiencing that in person. Susan was actually at our Entrepreneur Organization Los Angeles event, and she was one of our speakers. And you know, when you go to these events, you just never know it's hit or miss. But Susan was absolutely phenomenal. And I was like, Susan, you need to come on my podcast. I want you to share your tips. She, so, you know, I'm setting the bar high for you here. <laughs> You're too kind, Amanda, too kind. <laughs> All right, Susan. So I know silly question, but what is PR and why is it important? You know, there are lots of different definitions of PR. I think a lot of people think of a Hollywood publicist, right? Um, someone who's uh, running around beating get off the press or trying to entice the press to cover you. But for most people, I really want you to think about public relations is the art of sharing the goodwill that you do with the rest of the world. And that definition of goodwill is the act of making somebody else's life better. So if we step back from that definition of PR, from the typical definition of PR, which is getting publicity for my business myself um, or creating awareness around a particular brand or product. But if we look at it in a different way and we say PR is the act of generating goodwill among the audiences that we care about, what we want to do is show the world how we're helping to make other people's lives better. How are our products, our services, our teams, our companies, our organizations, even the nonprofit causes that we care about? We started our businesses if we're entrepreneurs. We went to go work for a business because we thought we might be able to make the world a better place in some small corner of it. So before you ever pick up the phone to call a reporter or to an analyst or an influencer, ask yourself first the question, how am I making my customer's life better? And how can I share that with a third party so they can take it to more of those people I want to help? That's where we should begin. 
That's fascinating. I mean, here at Innovate Marketing Group, we're all about PR because I read in your bio, you're a cultural anthropologist. I know, crazy times. Do you know how I got into PR, Amanda? Can I tell you the real truth? A horrible blind date with a senior editor at Forbes magazine. That is how I got into public relations. About 15 minutes into the date, he said, you know what, there's no chemistry here. I don't think this is gonna go anywhere. He said, but you and I are gonna be friends for the rest of our life. And I said, I don't even think you showered for this date, but there's something here. I think you and I might be friends. And sure enough, that was 1997. And Adam and I are still friends to this day. He is the head of the journalism department at NYU. And I lecture at his classes every semester. So the short, that's the short version of it. The longer version is I was aching to get out of my job as a, a field epidemiologist at the Centers for Disease Control. My first 10 years out of college were in public health. I worked in brothels in Thailand doing HIV related education to sex workers and their customers. I worked in scary emergency rooms all over New York City. And I was tracking the spread of HIV into the United States and its variant and resistant strains as my last job when I met Adam from Forbes. And Adam and I used to go out for a beer and he would complain to me about these annoying PR people who would call him incessantly pitching him on things like barbecue.com when he was writing about cybersecurity and hackers and wanting him to write stories for the pages of Forbes magazine. And so he spent his day fending off publicists, tech publicists, and clearly they were in the way of him winning a Pulitzer Prize. So I thought to myself, I want to get out of public health. It's been 10 years and I'm burned out. And I have a Hotmail account and AOL Messenger. And therefore, I think I'm ready to get into tech. That's pretty much I figured all that I need. Hotmail and AIM. And so... With that, I started exploring and I said, can you introduce me to the PR firm that you hate the least? And he said, fine. <laughs> he said, I can't believe you're leaving, saving lives to going over to the dark side. But if that's what you want, I'll make a phone call. And six weeks later, I started at an agency job in New York City. And that's how I got into PR, Amanda, a really bad date and the ability to influence somebody else's opinion of what they previously thought and then change their behavior in the process. What a blessing in disguise. A ble yes. bad day, but turned to an opportunity later down the line. <laughs> and a great friend. Yes, Adam, if you're listening to this, that's phenomenal. <laughs> oh, he's going to get a copy for sure. For <laughs> sure. <laughs> you know, and I love, you know, when I was reading your bio, kind of learning a little bit more about you in addition to what I heard you know, recently, but I, I just think it's so phenomenal that you really, like you said, like from the brothels of Thailand, you helped turn former prostitutes into entrepreneurs. I thought that was truly amazing. Um, so if you could do that, you could definitely do PR, you know, right? and I think <laughs> uh, the, going down the road PR a little bit, like you say PR is storytelling. And I think that's so impactful. Nobody just want you to, you know, it has to be storytelling super impactful. So how can companies use this to their advantage when communicating to their audience, whether it's about their brand and what they're about, what are some of your tips? 
So let's take a step back on what storytelling is, right? So I want all of your listeners to remember that storytelling is your number one productivity tool when you're trying to communicate with other people. Why is that? Storytelling is a memory-making device. We pretty much communicate everything that we know in the world only one of two ways. One is experience, right? You touch the stove and it's hot and you go, ah, I'm not going to do that again. And the other way is your mom going, don't touch the stove, it's hot. That's a story, right? So the way that we learn information is I experience it, I hear the music, I touch it, I taste it, I smell it, I know it. Or someone tells me a story about it and says, don't do that or do that. And that is the way human beings receive information. Unfortunately, it's not PowerPoints, it's not Excel spreadsheets, it's not three bullets and memorize it. I mean, that is one way, I suppose, but storytelling matters to executives because we know from studies at Stanford that when you tell people statistics, when you tell people just factual information, about six minutes later, you've forgotten it. If you tell a story with those statistics, with those numbers, you're 22 times more likely to remember it. 22 times. So if you're a leader and you keep telling your team the same three things and they're not remembering it, or they keep coming back to you and you're not aligned and you need more information and so forth, or the team's not working together, I'm begging you, take what you know and wrap it in a story and watch three things happen. Number one, they'll remember it. Number two, they'll internalize it. And number three, they'll have the ability to share it with somebody else. And that sharing part, that's where the PR comes in. When you tell a great story that a journalist goes, I like that, I wanna write about it, I need more, then that is a story that gets picked up in the press and now the rest of the world knows it. So if it's internal comms and you're just talking to your teams, use a story. When you want to communicate to the outside world, the only way they will relate to you is via story. That's how we receive news, CNN, NBC, Fox, New York Times, <laughs> LA Times, whatever it is, we're getting our information in stories. If you're not speaking it, then you're missing out on how the human brain functions. That's why we use story. That's why. Incredible. I love that. And then so what are some new trends you're seeing for PR in addition to the storytelling? Oh, yeah. So PR is becoming uh, like a multifaceted medium. You know, a little history lesson. PR started in the HR department. We were just a function of trying to get on the best places to work list. We were part of a recruiting function. We were morale boosting. But PR wasn't seen as a marketing initiative in its own right. It lived under HR. So that was back, I would say, in the 50s and 60s. Today, you know, from that time moving forward, we've seen PR as a very dynamic influence on the press. And probably most recently is the advent of influencers, where we bypress, bypass the press entirely. And we go to influencers who frankly have way more followers than CNN or the New York Times or the LA Times combined, right? Um, there are some influencers that are virtually untouchable in numbers like the Kardashians of the world, for example. But more than that, even smaller micro-influencers, as we call them now, are the people who can influence very focused niches, very targeted markets, like down to cybersecurity or nail care, right? I mean, it, it, choose whatever niche you like. I guarantee you, you will find an influencer in it with at least half a million followers. So not necessarily a trend in PR, but we are finding ourselves, rather than going 
to journalists, which media relations was one of the biggest parts, we are returning to our roots as public relations advocates. And we are going direct to the public with all different kinds of messages. We are bypassing boring tools like press releases and writing our own blogs and getting others to share them. Um, and we're finding ways of bringing, um, bringing customers into us by creating all different kinds of advisory councils and all different kinds of teams that now get to test products and services or even bring ideas for new products and services into a company rather than waiting for R&D to figure it out on their own. So the connection between company and public is closer than it's ever been before. Wow, so you're really closing the gap there. Yeah, we don't, we don't always need reporters anymore to tell our story. In fact, sometimes we don't need to rely on a reporter, frankly, messing up our message with their own ideas and objectivism, you know, objectivity rather, um, than we might like. We might want a message that's just ours. Yeah, because and sometimes they kind of interpret things a little bit differently too. That's why whenever we touch face with media, it's like here are the talking points, right? And but we, even then, you know, yeah. And you know what? It's not their job to write advertising copy for us either, right? That isn't the function of the press. Part of it is to keep us honest, and so we can't always rely just on them for um, for that kind of messaging. Awesome. So part of that, I think. In the most recent session I went to, you talk a lot about headlines. And I love that because, I mean, even here, we constantly, you know, editorial and submitting different messages. But it's like, sometimes you wonder, do, are they even reading our email? <laughs> uh, maybe not. You know, one of the things we discussed in that session together, Amanda, was the fact that there are seven publicists for every one journalist in America. So when you think about the battle for the reporter's inbox every morning, it is massive. Like it is hand-to-hand -hand combat trying to come up with the most exciting subject line so that journalist hits open, right? It's kind of like operating on a dating app at this point, right? You just hope that the guy that you like actually opens up your email and actually decides to respond, right? Um, and so we court reporters, we try to make relationships with them in order for them to open our emails and see our news on a regular basis. And, um, and so it's important that we differentiate ourselves with a really cool subject line, something that is timely, that we really know the journalists that we're pitching and we get to know what matters to him or her, not just what our news is, but rather what they cover. And then finally, to write a pitch in a style that mimics the style of the journalist so that they look at it and go, huh, I would write that. And you go, yeah, that's because I copied the style of how you write every article. <laughs> and when I stalk you effectively, then I know how to write like you write. And then suddenly you and I are doing business together. And one of my favorite tips is you asked your team, what headline would you like to see? about yeah. the company. So we actually took your suggestion and we brought it up to our leadership meeting this last Tuesday. And we say, what headline would you like to see? And it actually sparked some really interesting conversations and suggestions. So for those of you that are tuning in, definitely try that. And what are some other pro tips you have, Susan? I know you have so many, so let's just do the top ones. So number one thing that I would recommend is how to keep tabs on your competition. And that's creating the Google alerts that we discussed and making that $10,000 media list. So I wanna save all of your listeners, Amanda, $10,000, is that okay? 
that's about the price you'd pay to hire a PR firm to make a really accurate media list for you. And what I want to say is that you can do that on your own. So everyone who's listening should set up Google alerts on themselves. Who doesn't want to know if they're being talked about online? And number two is a, a Google alert on your business. Specifically, if you're in a large company, then it can be your specific business line or your particular division. Um, and if you're an entrepreneur, then your business. The other thing you want to do is set up those same Google alerts on your top five competitors and maybe competitor name plus product. If you're working in a large company and you want to hone in on exactly what your competitors are doing. Every day, Google will feed you for free all the competitive info of what those companies are doing. And that's a service I used to pay $3,500 a month for. So Google alerts will keep you up to date on what your business is doing, what products are being mentioned in the press, and also what reporters are covering you because Google will feed you all the news stories that day from the top journalists who are writing about you. Now, if you can take those Google alerts and put them into a Google sheet, right? Like, or an Excel spreadsheet and just make five easy columns, the reporter's name, the outlet they write for, their email address, their Twitter handle, and that link, you'll start the foundation of a great media list. And every time a piece of press coverage comes in on any one of those topics, put it in that list, put it in that list. And within, I would say six weeks, you will have a complete media list. And so when you have news and you're ready to share a big headline with the press, you'll know exactly which reporters to talk to. They'll be sitting right there in your Google sheet. And if you're an entrepreneur, don't do this by yourself. Allow your other teammates to get in there. And every time they see a great article, put it in the sheet, put it in the sheet. And so you will have a media list in no time. You'll save yourself $10,000. And then you can begin cultivating relationships with journalists that um, you don't have to pay an agency for. And frankly, they're going to be just as valuable to you as sales prospects. And like you said earlier, doing the research really helps. Right, someone who writes about tech doesn't want to be sent barbecue information. That's no, not what he writes about. Don't do it. Don't make Adam hate you. Right. <laughs> Trying to get a Pulitzer. <laughs> yes. Yeah. He got to stay focused. Okay. <laughs> um, any other pro tips that you want to share? You know, the other is one of the things I can't stand, right, is a pitch that begins. Um, one of my clients is having a big event next Thursday. You should definitely be there. Don't miss it. I don't know what's in it for the journalist. I'm asking you to be there because that's what I need, right? And that's what my client who's hosting the event wants to see is lots of reporters showing up at an event. But it's your job. I'm going to come back to that definition of goodwill. How are you making the reporter's life better? And when you connect with a reporter, your job has now shifted from, you know, someone who desires advertising to rather being a source for a reporter. So I'll ask you the question, what's in it for the reporter to cover? What's cool? What's unique? Who will be at the event that the reporter could speak to? What will the reporter learn that he or she could actually write an article about that would make him look amazing to his boss? the editor. What scoop could you give them? Could you let them come uh, three hours prior to the event and let them see the behind the scenes or the in the making of? 
could you let them interview some of your panelists, let's say, if you're having an event, you know, with a couple of guests, could you give them pre-event access to the people who are going to be on stage, right? A reporter wants what's new, wants a scoop, right? The key word in news is new. So what else could you offer them, you know, in the event world that says, wow. And by the way, don't forget to give them the swag bags. Reporters love free liquor, free food, and lots of goodies. So don't be chintzy with the gifts. A hundred percent agree. We had had um, clients in the past that were like, yeah, we don't need to give gift back to a reporter. I'm like, of all the people you need to give it to, that's who you want to give it to. Because Thank you. Thank you. you know, like, <laughs> also, you could put the press release in there. You could put the talking point, you know, but then you should recognize they make the time to come here and you want publicity, right? You want free publicity. Yes. Right? So this is the part where they come and they can help you with your storytelling and feature your event or whatever message you're trying to push out. You know, and the other part about that is this free publicity is I want you to think about it as enhanced credibility. Validation from an objective third party is something that you can't buy. Having the LA Times or Variety or, you know, whatever the publication of choice that hits your business, getting someone else to say great things about you is priceless because anybody can buy an ad, but not everyone can get an article written about them. And that's why it matters. So we treat them with respect because that's the credibility that we get back. Otherwise, we could just go out and buy it. I mean, you've been in the PR world for a while. You know, you were saying you use Hotmail and AOL. Oh, my God. I'm totally dating myself, right? <laughs> I named my first agency Lotus Public Relations, A, because I'm a Buddhist and the Lotus Sutra is very close to me. But also, I called it Lotus because Lotus was just getting acquired by IBM. And so Lotus Notes was the email of the day. And so I would call tech reporters and say, hi, it's Susan from Lotus. And they would go, how's it going after the acquisition by IBM? And I would say, oh, it's Lotus Public Relations. But since I have you on the phone, let's talk about blah. And so <laughs> that was my sneaky way in the door when I was just a new agency with no experience, no clients to speak of trying to get my foot in the door. Hey, whatever you need to do whatever to make it, it happen, right? Whatever it takes. That's right. So, you know, with all that wisdom behind you, uh, what, are, what are some advice that you would like to give to your younger self, Susan? Oh, my younger self. Don't do it. No, that's not it. Sorry. <laughs> um, let's see. I think uh, a couple of things. I've always had a very deep respect for the press, you know, having seen um, having witnessed and been close to uh, war correspondents, people who had to cover really difficult events um, that impacted people's lives, like around 9-11, being a New Yorker and seeing the press at the time. Um, so I've had a very deep respect for what the media is capable of doing. And so I think, so that's a piece of me that I wouldn't want to lose. And I still feel that way, even everything that we see today. I think that the, the the role of the press is so important. But I think as for the advice that I would give to myself is, I think I would hang on every word written. And if you know it didn't come out perfectly for my client, there was gonna be a conversation with that reporter. And there was gonna about, uh, I wanted it written this way. And he's like, that's nice. But, and I think I would have been a little bit, I, 
I wouldn't have been so exacting and I wouldn't have been so hard on some of my reporter friends um, to get it just right. But I did make my clients very happy, I will say. But I think I would have taken it with a grain of salt and know that there's always going to be another article that follows if I do my job right, that I can do it better each time. And so I think I would just give myself a little bit of grace. I love that advice. A little bit of grace. Yeah. Even going to your session, I know both myself and my staff who attended your session was so inspired by you and you made just PR so digestible, right? I feel like for any business or even a personal brand needs PR, but it's if it's PR done well, it, like you said, it could really work to your advantage. But if you don't do it well, it's just a waste of time because and money. it's important Lots and money. money, you know? So I think any additional advice that you want to share with the audience yeah, you know, so a couple of things. One is choosing the right PR person or the right PR agency. So ask a couple of hard questions. Make sure you find out how many people are going to be on my team servicing this account and what is the seniority level of those individuals. Now, in olden days, you'd want a white-haired gentleman, right, who was going to be on your account, who stroked his beard quite a bit and gave you deep advice. I like to see a really great mix of senior people and younger people who can really navigate the worlds of social media, TikTok, WeChat, if we're going global, right? I mean, we're not staying within American boundaries anymore if you want your product or service to be successful worldwide. I want people on my team who have their finger on the pulse of what's happening in the metaverse, what's happening in gaming, because all of that is part and parcel of how we communicate today. If you don't know how to communicate over a Twitch server, just as easily as you do over an email server, then I'm gonna have an issue, right? Especially working in innovation and working in tech. So ask yourself, do I have the right mix? Number one. Number two, is it overkill for what I need? If I'm just a small business, I might wanna hire a freelancer um, and I can find great people on Upwork or Indeed, or I can look for, um, or freelancer.com. I would try to find people who have really great ratings and are willing to work with a small business, have lots of experience working with entrepreneurs. I would go there. So you may not find yourself spending 10K a month. You may find yourself spending 2K and getting just what you need on a per project basis rather than an extended retainer. And then finally, I would say, quiz them. Ask them who the reporters are and if they really know their stuff. So I would say, for a story like mine, who are the top three reporters you would take this to? And if no one on the team knows who those reporters are, then I would keep moving. Because if we don't know the right reporters and the right contacts, then how are we ever gonna beat off those seven other, beat out rather those seven other publicists who are all vying for that journalist's attention? So I do have a follow-up question from that then. Then mm. do you recommend, like for you, Susan, you specialize in tech, right? Tech founders. Do you recommend we stay within the category? Like if I want to hire a PR agency, do they have to have done other events work before, like promoting events agency? Or is it okay they represented a beauty brand? Well, I guess that would depend on what your objectives are. So if you want to get in front of more beauty clients to do more events, that person might be the perfect bridge between yours and them, right? So first ask yourself, what are my objectives? I wanna get in front of X. So for example, I've had clients who only sell technology products to the financial services market. Well, I want someone who doesn't necessarily have to understand tech, but they have to have a really good contacts in the financial press. 
So I would ask yourself, you know, where do I really want to be? If I hire a PR person and they get me the press I want, number one, what publications do I want to be in? You as the hiring entity should ask that, should, should know that for yourself. And by the way, that Google sheet is really going to give you a, play, a list of where all the coverage is happening. So that should also inform you. Number two, ask yourself, what do you read to stay on top of your own industry? Is it possible that your prospects, either the current ones or the ones you really want to go after, are they reading the same thing? And if not, which publicist has a great command over the financial services trades, the legal trades, the event planning trades? Find them and get, get closer to them. Fantastic. Roll all of that down. Well, <laughs> this is a recording, so I can always go back. That's right. <laughs> well, it's been fantastic today. And some of my personal favorite takeaways, you know, one, storytelling matters, mm-hmm. right? It helps them to remember, internalize it, and then share it. I love that part because then it's all about if they reshare, then it helps amplify your story. Two, set up Google alerts. I feel like that's super easy. We super already free, do that. Free, free. <laughs> yeah, super easy and free. Two thumbs up right there. And then last but not least, who do you want to get in front of? I think I, I remember that from last time as well. And also what publication do you want to be in? And I would say go bigger, right? Because the bigger publication, that's where most people are reading. So spend your time wisely, but it's true. Like, who do you want to get in front of? I, you guys really should think about that one. All right, that's so good. Thank you, Susan. What is the best way for the audience to get in touch with you? You know, if they want to hire an agency like yours. So I'm going to clue you in on a little secret, Amanda. We're rebranding emerging media as innovation storytellers. What? That's (laughs) awesome. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. So we'll be rolling that out and you'll be able to find us at innovationstorytellers.com or you can always go to my website at susanlindner.com. And you'll find all the ways to tell great stories. And I do keynote speeches. I do consulting work. I do one-on-one coaching with executives who really need help with their storytelling for breakthrough ideas to help them get the resources, the runway, and the recognition they deserve. That's wonderful. And you know what? For those of you who are tuning in, Susan was so engaging. Like her session was an hour the last time I was there. I can tell you for the entire hour, I was 100% engaged and there's someone in the audience, she didn't even want to go to the bathroom because she didn't want to miss a moment. So that just goes to show you how phenomenal of a speaker Susan is. And so thank you so much, Susan. This has been really wonderful having you join us. And for those of you that are tuning in, if you have questions or if you're interested in working with Susan, feel free to reach out to her or hire her, fly her out to, I don't know, Happy, happy to make the shift from New York to LA, especially in this weather. 80 degrees here, Susan. Oh, you're breaking my heart, Amanda. You're breaking my heart. (laughs) But thank you again. This has been phenomenal. Thanks for all your PR tips. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for tuning in for today's episode of Event Up. If your company is looking to level up your event experience, we are your solution. We do all the work. You take all the credit. Give us a call. Don't forget to share and subscribe for more episodes. If you like what you heard today, please share with a friend. We look forward to connecting with you next time. Thank you for listening. Tune in next time on Event Up.